We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Mims, Jordan Addison, Kayshawn Boutte. Who were the winners and losers from the 2023 wide receiver combine? We'll find out on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. I'm doing a little bit better than I was yesterday. Unfortunately, I think Curtis is doing a little bit worse. So we've met somewhere in the middle in comparison to yesterday, but that's all right. We'll get through this. Yeah, if if our health was Dynasty ADP, I would be a 33-year-old running back. Oh boy. Um, and you and you would be I don't know, you're you're coming into your you're like a a, a pending third year breakout wide receiver. You know, you're you, you got a path. You still got a path. All right. I'm, well, I'm one I'm one foot in the grave tonight, baby. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to make it work. And with that in mind, I'm going to quickly hit a little uh little little drop here, Curtis. We're going to listen to some words from you actually before we do that and then we're going to talk about these wide receivers. Sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. What's up, Rotoviz fam? This is Curtis Patrick from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. And before we get to this show's next segment, I've got to tell you about the cornerstone of my home football command center. Epson hooks me up with their Epic Vision Ultra LS800. And it's so good, I decided to customize my entire basement to feature it. It's a short throw projector. So there's no frustrating ceiling mount to deal with. You can just set it on your TV media stand and you're enjoying your favorite team on a picture that can go as big as 120 inches. I'll be evaluating this year's draft class on my Epic Vision Ultra LS800 this weekend. The prospects will never have looked bigger or better than they will on this epic entertainment beast. Go check it out for yourself by visiting epson.com slash rotoviz. Now back to the show. All right, Curtis. The receivers put in their performances. What do you think? We start with uh, your Ohio State boy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Sure, man. I, and, I, you know, who knows? With all the craziness going on, the potential quarterbacks moving around. 
maybe JSN will find himself paired up with Lamar Jackson in some city that we're not even thinking about uh, or Aaron Rodgers or something like that. So uh, not to ignore all of the crazy news that's going on in the NFL uh, today, but you know, we're still focused on the combine. For sure. We will hit that uh, fantasy headlines drop at some point, but for the evening, we're going to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba right now. Uh, as a reminder, stands six feet, uh, six and a half, or excuse me, six feet and a half inch, 196 pounds, runs uh, the shuttle, the cone, the broad, uh, participate in the broad and the vert, I should say. So a shuttle time, very impressive, Curtis. Um, am I, man, 99th percentile. 99th percentile shuttle also puts up a 98th percentile cone. This guy is an agility monster. Also puts in a 69th percentile broad jump in a 40th percentile vert. The name that's going to stand out when you look at the comps that are generated here. Odell Beckham Jr. gets onto that list. This is a player that people were excited about. You had that one extremely dominant season, and now you can get a sense of why he might have been able to achieve that. Uh, This is a performance that, though his stock was high, I think for some people has pushed him even higher. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to really be possible for us because, you know, we weren't getting cute with our wide receiver rankings and volume one of our guide. I mean, he was our wide receiver one. We placed him in tier two right there with the top QBs right behind Bijan Robinson. I mean, if anything, you know, maybe, maybe JSN could go from four to three just on, you know, the relative strength of his combine versus the relative uncertainty about which quarterbacks are going to be drafted first. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I love the names that are coming up um, in our prospect uh, workout explorer. And, you know, we've seen just time and time again, players that have that lateral agility in the NFL become target hogs because, you know, they get open at the break point. And if they get paired, I mean, they, they almost become quarterback proof. Right. And I mean, we saw that over Jarvis Landy's Landry's career, you know, when he, before he started having all of the hip problems and, you know, Keenan Allen uh, to a certain degree as well as another player that's like this, it's, they're just always able to get open. So they become super elite PPR, just, you know, league winners, if they get with, you know, those elite quarterbacks, but even if they don't, they're open so often you get, you know, stare down type quarterbacks that are still able to find these guys, you know, open by, you know, nearly two yards on those short to intermediate routes. So I think, you know, Smith and Jigba is really going to be a star at the next level, you know, in traditional NFL circles, you're going to see a lot of blurbs that continue to paint him as, you know, quote unquote, just a slot guy or, you know, high end slot guy. And, like that's somehow a bad thing. I mean, three three wide receiver sets are obviously the norm in the NFL these days. And, you know, he's really never going to come off the field no matter who drafts him. And, you know, I just want all the shares. I, I don't think I'm going to have much access to him unless I get really creative with trades, uh, which I'm known to do. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you, you want this guy on your teams. Yeah, no doubt about that. So I think that he obviously... Uh, is one of those players that drew a lot of attention. And of course, heading into the combine, that was to be expected. But a player 
that certainly drummed up a little bit more interest than he might have been receiving prior is Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, a 21-year-old currently uh, 5'11", 183 pounds. He does participate in the 40, puts up a 90th percentile time, which at his size gives him a speed score of 99, um, which is 61st percentile among wide receivers, gets a 50th percentile freak score, also proved to be pretty explosive uh, with a 88th percentile broad jump, 87th percentile vert, uh, did not perform in the shuttle, but did put up a 63rd percentile uh, score in the cone. His athletic combines that might be interesting to those of you out there. Uh, the first name you're going to look at is Emmanuel Sanders. You see Devin Hester, Eddie Royal, Kadarius Tony. So some players in there in that 180 to 187 type of range with, you know, 435 to around 44 speed. Some interesting names in that group. And uh, we are now looking at a player that it looks like might jump some other names when we sit down over the weekend and start to put the the list together for volume two. Yeah. And, you know, he was already kind of in that big group uh, of players that, you know, included Zay Flowers and Josh Downs and Jalen Hyatt, um, you know, some of the other, you know, fast, smaller uh, wide receivers and, and I mean, slight in, in Hyatt's uh, situation, but all, all these other guys, you know, pretty diminutive, you know, really. And, you know, he was at the bottom of that list for us entering uh, the combine. You know, he's probably going to find himself situated differently in, in the tier now. And, you know, Sean raised some, you know, pretty good points at our, our rookie summit uh, on MIMS. You know, some places where he'll be dinged, even though, you know, he really uh, shown with the, with the athleticism here. He never really did actually break out uh, in college um, to the to the 30% uh, dominator that, that we like to see, you know, in our updated view. Now, if you go back to the original um uh, dominator rating uh, pieces and, and breakout age when, you know, back when the research was, you know, based off of a 20% uh, dominator to break out, you know, if you, if you go by that, you know, he broke out his freshman season. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we now have better data and the model's even better now, but you know, he would have broken out at 18.8 um, under that first. So you will see some sites that list him breaking out as an 18 year old, which is, you know, pretty impressive. And, you know, we've, we've seen Oklahoma receivers, you know, seems like 10, 15 years ago, for those of you that have been following the league a long time, you know, there was a, a run where Oklahoma receivers put up the stats and they never really panned out. But, you know, that really seems to have reversed itself in recent years with CeeDee Lamb and, and Marquise Brown, uh, both finding their way to success in the NFL. So, yeah, Mims, you know, pretty intriguing. I think that sub 4-4 is definitely going to land him, uh, you know, in day two now. We weren't, we weren't quite positive. Uh, you know, if he was going to be around three, four kind of borderline guy, but you know, I think he probably got himself into potentially even round two with that combine. Certainly. So that is, uh, was an impressive jump. Then there's a player here, which I think is kind of fun to talk about because we have a bigger wide receiver. And as we've talked about, this class was a little bit more slight than, uh, you know, others that we have seen. And it's Jonathan Mingo out of Mississippi Stands in at 6'2", weighs 220 pounds. We'll get to his 40. But for a man 
that is pretty large also has a lot of explosion, giving him a 92nd percentile freak score uh, thanks to a broad jump uh, of a 129, a vert of 39.5, uh, 88th and 87th percentile, respectively. Uh, now, freak score mixes together height, weight, and speed. Uh, there's a calculation to it that I won't run through, but essentially what it's looking at is when you when you account for a player size um, in both height and weight and you add in um, their speed, you get a sense of how freaky of an athlete, if you will. So obviously when you think of players like this, you know, DK Metcalf is one that comes to mind. Now, remember I said he was 220 pounds, puts up a 40 yard dash of four, four, six, which is 69th percentile. But from a speed score perspective here, when we're adjusting for a player's weight and their 40, that was a 90, uh, let's see here, 92nd percentile speed score. So a player to pay attention to now because he's one of the bigger wide receivers that we see in this class and did prove to be athletic. And when you look at this type of athletic profile, you get an interesting mm. mix where you have some guys who, when they hit, they really hit like Des Bryant, Andre Johnson, Javon Walker. And then you have a lot of other players that just completely did absolutely nothing. Uh, so, you know, it will be interesting to see how NFL teams respond to this. But like I said, I think he's going to garner some more looks now, given that he does have some nice athleticism and is one of the bigger wide receivers in the class. Yeah, I think that was a good overview. I, you know, I, I definitely want to clarify. I mean, DK Metcalf is like the poster child for freak score, but yep. he also has like the fourth highest freak score of all time. Right. So make, well, yeah. Right. I, that, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I'm highlighting. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, when we talk about freak score, we're working backwards from a player like, uh, yeah. like DK Metcalf. Now, you know, when, if you want to frame Mingo, uh, obviously a lot of the names that Dave just mentioned there were guys that ended up getting high draft capital. You know, they had, you know, really great college production and ended up, you know, going early in the NFL draft. It's also interesting because we wouldn't expect him, you know, to go in the first or second round to look at, you know, players, more on that day two, day three borderline, or even more specifically, probably on day three. And did we see players with freak scores in this range actually go on to end up uh, producing at a high level in the NFL? And I can find a couple, you know, this, this freak score of, of 71, it's pretty, it's pretty respectable. Just a couple of day three guys that come to mind. Alan Lazard um, had a freak score of 72. You know, he found his way, uh, you know, to success, obviously. Kenny Galladay. Um, you know, a, a little later round receiver with a freak score of 70. And so, you know, you can find some guys, you know, with that have shown that they can break out because of their athleticism, even if, you know, maybe they were a bit more of a slow burn player in college football. But, you know, of the higher draft uh, pedigree guys in this range, too, just to kind of give you an idea, we find Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Braylon Edwards back in the day. Um, uh, Chris Chambers, for those of you that have been playing that for a long time, Devonte <laughs> Par Parker, you know, so that's the the type of player. I mean, a lot of X traditional X receivers here um, in this range, and so you know, I think it definitely makes Mingo an exciting player. You know, when we think about volume two, and you think about trying to get 
know, players that have a trait that could get them to stick on a roster and eventually earn a role, you know, how does that bottom, you know, round three, round four range of, of volume two look, you know, Mingo's certainly, you know, going to probably push his way onto the board this time. Yeah, I think that is a fair assessment. And the final name here, also a really mm. fun to graph, a fun graph here to look at, uh, Bryce Ford Whedon. Uh, as noted here uh, in an article by Blair Andrews that I'm looking at, uh, we have a player with a size-speed combo uh, out of West Virginia, Player here, Curtis, is 6'4", 221, and he ran the 40 in 4'3", That gives him a 99th percentile freak score. That is a big, fast man. Also had a 95th percentile, vert, 90, uh, 91st in arm length. Uh, so, you know, it's quite the catch radius there. 77th percentile, shuttle 49th percent. Cone um, Blair also talks about, you know, turning in a 30% dominator rating uh, after scoring yeah. 35% of West Virginia's touchdowns. So there are a lot of things in this profile now that I think we'll be getting uh, looks from fantasy managers as well as NFL teams. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty impressive. A freak score of 84, you know, this puts him in the range with Mike Evans, Julio Jones, David Boston. I mean, these are like, yes. you know, these are man beasts here. Um, in terms of looking for, you know, kind of the same vein that we were talking about, Mingo, you know, can we find some players that didn't end up getting those super high-end draft capital uh, with this type of freak score that ended up being fantasy stars? And the guy just below him in our database, Vincent Jackson, uh, from back in the day with a freak score of 83, I think is a perfect example. You know, there's also a lot of guys that got, you know, lower draft capital or were undrafted. You know, this level of athleticism for these two guys 
doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, an automatic success story, but it becomes interesting, you know, for the first couple of years of their career, when you have this type of size, weight and speed, you know, freak score is really all about that ability to score touchdowns. So they become really interesting end of best ball draft dart throws. And if you're playing underdog big board and you're looking for, Hey, I'm going to mix in some guys in round 20 just to see what, you know, some crazy happens. These are the types of receivers, these big, fast, strong guys that you would put at the end of a best ball, uh, very end of a best ball draft, or even want to draft in best ball dynasty. But, you know, getting a little bit deeper into our database here, you see Chaz Schillens, Tommy Streeter, Dante Moncrief, you know, so just because you're athletic doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Um, just a fun thing to remind people of unrelated, but Calvin Johnson at 236 pounds mm. ran the 40 in four, three, five. That's yeah, it. Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson. Um, it, it, you know, we, we said yep. DK was fourth ever actually tied for second. There's yep. three players with a 91 Calvin Johnson freak score 98, baby. Yeah. He, he was the, the, the impetus back in the day metric. for this metric getting created, uh, actually, all right. And, and still no one has come close. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like the gap, the gap from Calvin Johnson to DK Metcalf is the same gap as, let me find an example here just to make it fun. Yep. It is the same gap as Andre Johnson to um, Denzel Mims. Okay. okay. So All there's, right. <laughs> there, there's, there's like an ocean yeah. even between Calvin Johnson and DK. It's pretty cool. Yep. All right. So that takes us through those players that, uh, you know, you might call winners. Yeah. Oh, Curtis, a player that people are saying is a loser here, but I'm not sure that I nah. really, I, it does we're not phase me in the right bit. Away. Jordan Addison. <laughs> now we're going to debunk it right away. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, you know, he, he's under six foot tall. He weighed in under 175 at 173, you know, like objectively he's fast Four four nine is fast, yep. but you know, the issue is, you know, his slight build, you know, the, the low weight, you know, gives him a, a freak score of just 33, but you know what, despite only being 173 pounds, you know, his level of skill uh, still afforded him the ability to be open you know, often and make big plays, you know, he was a, a big time, you know, receiver uh, from multiple schools in his yep. college football career, breaking out under the age of 19 career, 32% dominator rating. Todd McShay did put out his post combine, uh, his first uh, mock draft post combine mock draft reaction. I mean, he still has Addison going in the first round and like at the twenties. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, if you like Addison, like yeah, this isn't going to, you know, he's not going to push him, but like he did, right. he did lose. He, he, he might not be the overall number one now, which, you know, I think he had a chance at, but like, I mean, you're not really moving Addison out of this fantasy tier. Right. I think you're right. So this, this might have impacted his actual draft stock to me though, as a fantasy manager that found themselves uh, quite taken with Addison, I don't think it really changes much. I knew he was sub six feet. I'd have pretty good idea that he was not going to weigh in as a pretty heavy player. Would I have preferred him to get to like 180, 185? Absolutely. But the the measurables don't really change much. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, the 449 isn't alarmingly slow. 
um, you know, we've seen guys with ranges of athleticism like Deontay Johnson, Jahan Dotson, who had a good year last year, uh, manage just fine. And Addison feels to me like the type of player that isn't doing it all off of athleticism. So to sum it all up, uh, this doesn't really change things all that much for me. Um, you know, it's possible I could end up with Njigba higher than him in the final rankings. But once we sit down, everybody starts talking. Um, but I, I really wouldn't worry about this too much. And, you know, if you find yourself in a league with managers that are going to look at him being 173 and think that rules him out and pass up on him, you're going to be getting a great deal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be more worried for the next guy, Dave. Um, Kayshawn. You know, Kayshawn, yes. it's basically been a lot of negative press around him, you know, really, I don't know, going on a couple of years now. And, you know, his his tenure at LSU ended in a weird way with him kind of being ousted as a, a bad locker room guy, getting in trouble, uh, you know, some illicit activities going on uh, with with ladies and coaches potentially at the end of uh, his his final season. Now he comes to the combine definitely does not look the part of, you know, just a, a straight up alpha, which is what everyone had been hoping he would be as, as Blair notes, first percentile vert. Yeah. No, not um, good. <laughs> the way, the way, the way percentiles work, you know, one is bad. <laughs> one yep. is not the best. It's the worst. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened here. I don't know if, if he's not motivated. He's he's not like he's clearly not that unathletic. I mean, he wouldn't have been dominant at a young age in the SEC at the school that he played for if he was this unathletic. I mean, something is going on. He needs different, you know, he needs a different athletic coach or a different agent. Somebody's got to whip him into shape. I mean, he's on the verge of, you know, really tanking down NFL draft boards and yep. You know, I had a, a fair amount of conviction on Butte uh, in the in the first edition of the Rookie Guide. I, I find myself less convicted now. I'm really trying to figure out, you know, where does he go? Am I going to bump him down a tier? There were enough other exciting performances. And, like, this is the level of bad that a combine needs to be to get you to change your take on somebody. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You know? Especially because you have so little to go off of that. It does make you kind of worry if that one stretch that you saw from him was in an aberration in some way. I mean, the four, five 40, I guess it's okay at one ninety five. Uh, you know, from a speed score perspective, it's 44th percentile. I'm not necessarily going to rule him no, out. That's fine. That's, that's fine. fine. But the broad and the vert, like you said, being so poor in the light, in light of everything else, that's kind of weird going on with him does call a cause for concern. Then I look through some of the players that he matches with athletically. Very few of those guys are ones that got significant draft capital that were sought after and then were able to do very much with it. So ultimately here, keeping him in a range with some of these other wide receivers in this class, you just can't do. Uh, there's just yeah. too many red flags at this point. And just an odd profile that becomes the type you don't really want to plant any flag on. Yeah, I mean, he's going to move. I mean, just at first glance, you know, he is going to move below all the other wide receivers that we had in tier four, at least for right. me at this point. You know, he's going to go 
below Josh Downs, below Jalen Hyatt, below Marvin uh, Mims, below Zay Flowers. You know, the question is, are we still going to keep him in tier five, you know, with some of those question mark uh, running backs, or does he even drop below that to that next tier of receivers? You know, the, the bigger question marks with, you know, Rashi Rice and Andre Eusevis right. uh, and, you know, Xavier Hutchinson and, you know, right. players of that ilk. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, it feels so far to push him down, but, you know, one thing we were talking about at the first rookie summit was, you know, did we have Debbie, you know, Debbie league take lock yeah. on Kayshawn and, you know, we tried to give him every benefit of the doubt. You know, we probably would have been served up a, a, a very yummy, uh, serving of confirmation bias if you come out and slayed the combine, but you know, all of a sudden it's not tasting so good. Right. I mean, it's like when you have a player that you have this limited body of work on and you think maybe he had that flash because there was something special about him. He comes out and just shows himself to be average. You really start worrying, especially, you know, given that weird final season. It's not like Jamar Chase where you can have a whole year off. The guy comes out and is like in the 90th percentile and like everything. You're like, all right, this just matches. Yeah. Um, which I know at this point, it feels crazy to even be mentioning them. But the hype that, uh, you know, he had early on in his career you know, I don't know if it matched chases, but it was definitely uh, for some people they thought they were looking at might, well, might be an elite wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, it was even higher coming out of high school. I mean, like yeah. literally, I have a tweet from like 2018 or something that said he was going to be the next Stefan Diggs, like when he was still in high school. I mean, wow. he just like dom- yeah. he dominated every dominated every All Star camp. Do- no one could touch him. Like, I I will be shocked if he doesn't put up far better pro day numbers. You know, I know you always have to look at those, you know, with a lot of skepticism, you know, there's a lot of home field, you know, dynamics going on there, but I just, I really refuse to believe that his vert is actually 29. I, I, I mean, right. I, I would right. believe like, I would believe that he's, you know, maybe he's a 25 to 30th percentile explosive score. You know, maybe he just not nearly as athletic as we thought. I mean, it's almost unfathomable that he would he would be a ninth percentile explosion score guy. It just does not compute for me, unless he's just horribly out of shape at this point and does not care about his career. Right. So there's just a lot of a lot Which of ways. Red flag. Right. There's yeah. a lot of ways that you can come to yeah. the come yeah. to these results here that are not good. So yeah, that gets us through these wide receivers. Um, I just want to close with this this final question for you here, Curtis. So in this year's class, uh, considering the positional groups, which one are you most excited about? Which one gets you the most fired up when you start thinking about you're going to be entering drafts and you have your chance to acquire some of these players? Well, you know, that's tricky. You know, like in, like in a startup draft, in a startup draft, I'm kind of excited, you know, about the running backs and the quarterbacks because – you know, I think there's enough depth there that you can get some good players late in startup drafts. In my actual rookie drafts, probably what I'm going to be drafting is the wide receivers because those running backs and quarterbacks are going to be up the board and I'm not going to have access to those guys. I'm going to have very little of Bijan Robinson and uh, Jameer Gibbs, very little of CJ Stroud. Yep. I, uh, I, phrased, I phrased this question incorrectly. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like just on pure excitement level, you know, I, I do like the running back group. I think I think you're going to have, 
you know, we're, we're probably going to end up with three running backs. They may not be the exact three that we, you know, we think on paper right now, but I, I think you could see three running backs become future RB ones out of this class. I really could see that. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a pretty big deal uh, during a time in the NFL where a lot of the, the guys we've been depending on for many years are aging out uh, and getting into legal trouble even and causing some issues there. So um, it's needed. It's needed. The running back position and dynasty has felt very precarious over the past 12 months. And so, you know, we need this injection. I don't know, man, you know, rewinding two months ago, we said the class was pretty balanced. There's a little bit to like at every position and, Yep. You know, we didn't talk about tight ends post combine yet, but you know, they look so good. It's kind of like you can take the position that you need, right? <laughs> you can take the position that you need. Yep. And so I, I, I don't know. I think this rookie class is fascinating. I think there's, there's value all over the board. And so maybe the best way that I could answer it is you now I just want rookie picks. You know, I, I, I believe in this class. I think there's a lot of good players and it's going to be fun to acquire them. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.